Welcome to the Activist Insight Podcast, a segment that takes you through the top shareholder activism stories as told by Activist Insight Monthly. I'm Ilana DeRay, a financial reporter with Activist Insight, and this week we're asking, what is the secret behind Sandpiper Asset Management's success? Why does Paulson & Co. want Detour Gold to sell itself? Is Shopify a pyramid scheme? But first, a look at shareholder activism in Canada, which is making a quiet return as international activists enter the region. Our cover story explores the trends up north and highlights some predictions for what to expect during the rest of the year. The number of Canadian companies publicly subjected to activist demands in 2018 has reached 61 in mid-August, a quarter higher than the 49 targeted during the same period in 2015 and 2016. Some experts in the space told Activist Insight Monthly that they hardly noticed the increase. Joining us today is Activist Insight Editor-in-Chief Josh Black, here to tell us the root of this year's sentiment. Hi Josh, welcome to the show. For this piece, you spoke to a handful of Canadian activists and advisors who were skeptical that activism had really returned to Canada in a big way. What was their reasoning? Well, first of all, there hasn't been a really big proxy fight in Canada for a few years. This year, the largest was a $3 billion US dollar market cap company called Crescent Point Energy, which was a first-time campaign for a Canadian activist uh, that's not kind of particularly well-known for running these kinds of things. Um, so that may not have you know, registered as a regular activist campaign. And the number of settlements has increased quite significantly since uh, the kind of glory days of Canadian activism when you had Canadian Pacific and Agrium being targeted, uh, while the number of seats won in proxy fights slumped in 2014 when the commodity cycle went down and has um, only ticked up slowly since then. And secondly, I think activism's become a bit more familiar over the years and the new takeover rules, short attacks, new industries such as cannabis stocks have really distracted from these kinds of campaigns. And then we're left with the fact that compensation has been a significant factor in the data for this year while M&A activism has fallen quite significantly. That's much sexier and more lucrative uh, to work on for activists and advisors. So I think it's probably understandable that the noisy campaigns haven't dominated in the same way they did uh, several years ago. Which sectors have seen the most activity recently, and by whom? So Canada is, of course, a cyclical market because of the dominance of basic materials. Um, The rise in commodity prices has seen the proportion of companies targeted in that sector uh, rise quite significantly. So last year, of all the companies targeted in Canada, uh, 24% were in basic materials. This year, it's 41%, up to almost 15%, so pretty significant increase. You also have uh, an uptick in financial activism, and the banks have been kind of leaders of corporate governance in Canada. Shareholder proponents will target them and push what they think is best practice, uh, and if they're successful and the banks adopt these practices, then other companies in Canada will look to them and uh, potentially even adopt those practices. Real estate's been another significant area, so uh, we've profiled Sam Piper Asset Management in this magazine. Uh, Land and Buildings has been active in Canada at um, Hudson's Bay Company, which is a retailer 
but owns a significant amount of real estate. And also you had kind of real estate investment trusts like Granite REIT last year were targeted in big proxy contests. Has there been a difference in approach between Canadian and international activists? There is around the margins, so both are interested in getting on boards and improving margins and capital allocation in the way that you might expect. Canadian activists tend to be, uh, as you might expect, focused on more long-term issues such as governance and uh, remuneration, whereas uh, U.S. activists are maybe a little bit more uh, event-driven and therefore focused on mergers and acquisitions as a, a kind of tool for activism. What can we expect for the rest of the year? Well, I think we can expect the unexpected. Um, There's a lot of noise in the market. Commodities have been volatile. There's talk of a trade war between the U.S. and Canada. Uh, So it remains to be seen whether U.S. activists will see Canadian companies as attractive enough to, um, to be targeted. There is a lot of activism in the financial sector in the U.S. Value Actors positions in Citigroup and took a big stake in Morgan Stanley a little while ago. But most people in Canada think that the banks are pretty much off target. So I think we'll continue to see small cap proxy fights, some skirmishing around deals, um, especially if commodities stabilize and the interest rates don't go up too much. We will certainly see plenty of activism, I think that's for sure. Thanks for being here, Josh, for our next report. This is the story of a relatively new activist investor that has already formed an impressive track record in the industry. Sands Piper Asset Management, a real estate-focused fund, has found success in all three of the activist campaigns it launched since mid-2017. Interestingly, the investor did not imagine engaging in shareholder activism when it opened shop in 2016. It was only after it encountered public companies with poor governance that it embraced activist tactics. We won't hesitate to pursue any avenue available to have our voice heard and to ultimately maximize shareholder value. That's founder Samir Manji. His previous experience running a publicly listed real estate company shaped his perspective on activism. Manji understands that oftentimes there is a disconnect between private and public real estate valuations because of governance issues, poor strategy, or weak communication. This understanding, bolstered by a temporary collaboration with established activists front for capital, encouraged Manji to target Granite REIT, Agellan Commercial REIT, and Artist REIT last year. Not all public real estate companies are undervalued but some trade at a material discount. Whether in public or private markets, Manji is still optimistic that value can be found. When asked about M&A opportunities in the sector, the investor sounded hopeful. There's some room for potential consolidation in the Canadian REIT space, and we're likely to see some possible transactions in the near term. There's a number of very compelling opportunities out there right now. Can an activist strike gold? Paulson & Co. certainly thinks so. John Paulson's eponymous hedge fund is determined to find its fortune at Detroit Gold through a sale of the business. The activist investor requisitioned a special meeting in July to replace Detour's eight-person board, telling activists Insight Monthly that the company's refusal to launch a strategic review pushed the activists to take this step. 
detour, however, is confident it can make its own luck and promised not to go down without a fight. The gold miner argued that Paulson misinformed investors in a desperate attempt to resuscitate its, quote, flailing reputation. The company also called on the Ontario Securities Commission to investigate the activists' behavior. The two sides are expected to go head-to-head in September, but a date for the meeting has yet to be set. A Detour spokesperson told Activist Insight Monthly that the proxy fight is not about governance. It is about giving Paulson a clear path to a fire sale, he said. But Paulson doesn't believe in Detour's new Life of Mind plan, the fourth one presented to investors in five years. And the activist, which recently founded the Shareholders Gold Council, is not alone. Coast Capital and Livermore Partners have voiced support for the investor, echoing its demand that Detour explore strategic alternatives. In other news, short seller Citron Research compared Canada-based New York-listed e-commerce company Shopify to multi-level marketing firm Herbalife Nutrition. In the most recent issue of Activist Insight Monthly, we questioned whether Shopify's business model actually falls into that category. Shopify provides e-commerce platforms for small and medium-sized online merchants. Citron took issue with the company's overpromise of success for its clients and called on the U.S. Federal Trade Commission to investigate Shopify for fraud and lack of disclosure. Citron cited Shopify's claims to make customers millionaires and its suggestion that clients quit their jobs. The short seller also pointed to the many Shopify merchants that promoted the company, noting that they received undisclosed payments for their promotions, saying the FTC might deem that deceptive marketing. Citron also said customers will quickly realize their shops are not as profitable as the site claims, contributing to Shopify's large churn rate, which the short seller thinks will lead to an eventual collapse in revenues. Absurd Research, a Prague-based investor, backed Citron's findings, claiming Shopify's one-year customer churn rate was monstrous at about 77%. Nonetheless, Shopify's revenue, which is derived from subscriptions and merchant solutions, jumped 62% in the second quarter of 2018. Since Citron first disclosed its position, Shopify's total return is up around 41%. Both short sellers will have to wait a little longer if they want their bets to pay off. And now for a couple of stories that didn't make it into the magazine. Shareholders of Cigna and Express Scripts approved the health insurer's $67 billion acquisition of the pharmacy benefit manager. More than 99% of the votes cast at the Express Scripts special meeting were in favor of the transaction. At the same time, the deal received 90% support from Cigna's shareholders. In early August, Carl Icahn came out against the merger, saying it would hurt the economy at large by ensuring the continuity of high drug prices. The veteran activist investor also claimed Express Scripts was an existential danger with the potential entry of Amazon into the pharmaceutical world 
and possible legislation against rebates of PBMs. Yet ICON seemed to be a lone opponent of the deal. Activist investor Glenview Capital Management defended the transaction, claiming it will strengthen Cigna's long-term growth prospects. Proxy Advisors, Institutional Shareholder Services, and Glass-Lewis recommended shareholders support the transaction. After those verdicts, and 10 days before the vote, ICON backed down, saying he no longer intended to solicit proxies against the transaction. Also in M&A news, LaSalle Hotel Properties agreed to merge with Pebblebrook Hotel Trust, five months after Pebblebrook's first bid for the Real Estate Investment Trust. LaSalle terminated a deal with private equity group Blackstone, which valued the firm at $33.50 per share in cash, after determining that Pebblebrook's proposal was superior. The REIT previously contended that Pebblebrook's cash and stock offer was riskier for shareholders, but later agreed to Pebblebrook's proposal of $37.80 in cash, or 0.92 Pebblebrook shares per LaSalle share. The decision came after Pebblebrook increased the cash component of the deal, and proxy advisors recommended shareholders vote against the Blackstone deal, at a meeting scheduled for September 6th. That meeting has since been canceled. Activist investor H.G. Bora has been pushing LaSalle to engage with Pebblebrook. The 8.2% shareholder warned that it would vote against the Blackstone deal. Activist Insight Online reported that M&A-related shareholder activism is set to reach record highs in 2018. As many as 120 companies were publicly subjected to M&A requests as of August 21st, compared to 110 in the same period of 2017. The upsurge was primarily driven by the U.S. and Asia, which have both seen more companies targeted than ever before. LaSalle may have hoped its rival would fall by the wayside, but a deal prolonged presents opportunities for activists. That's all for this episode of the Activist Insight Podcast. If you like what you hear or want to read more, you can subscribe to Activist Insight Monthly by emailing subscriptions at activistinsight.com. For comments or questions about the podcast, or if you want something discussed on a future edition, please email press at activistinsight.com. I'm Ilana DeRay. Thanks for listening.